So, a few weeks ago, the Taylors were at their favourite holiday spot. We're in a little cove in Cornwall uh, that we just adore. Um, and uh, uh, we were there. And oh, but the wonderful thing about this sermon is that all the adults are muzzled and all the kids aren't, so that the kids can add to the volume and uh, the adults are shutted up. So uh, what, sort of, what sort of things do you normally get up to on a beach? Just shout them out. Sandcastles, perfect. Anyone else? Swimming. Swimming, excellent. Bodyboarding, you need to keep quiet because that's not for later. So th those are the conventional things, sandcastles, swimming, mucking around in the sea. And so, yes, we swam and we got ice cream and we made sandcastles. But my favourite day was the Thursday. Put your hands up if you like to sit on the beach in the rain. Oh, someone changed their mind. Anyone like to sit on the beach in the rain? No. It's windy. It's windy. It's not windy. It's windy. <laughs> it's windy. It's wet, and it's cold. The adults who've come there to become uh, bronze gods and goddesses—they're frustrated. The kids who just want to play in the sand—they just moan and whinge and want to be indoors. However, on the beach we go to, things are different. On the beach where we go, it is perfect where the weather is far from perfect. Any guesses why we love it when the weather is bad on our favourite beach? Surf's up. Surf's up. Oh, right, okay, we got some uh, dudes here, man. Um, so, the wind and the rain come in, and you often see it come in, rush over the cove, because you can see for miles, and the clouds rumble, and the rain comes, uh, and you see all the holiday makers that have just turned up for ice cream and sandcastles, they sling their hook, so suddenly there's no queue for the toilets, no queue for ice creams, suddenly there's lots of place to spay, uh, play, but most importantly is the crashing waves. Crashing waves are bad for swimmers. They're bad for kayakers. They're bad for those despicable uh, paddle boards that I have decided, I've realized I have no time for whatsoever because that is boring. They are perfect for surfing though. When the waves grow massive and you go into the water, if you catch one just right, and if you can ask Sam and I, you'll know how difficult it is to catch them on just right. If you catch it just right, you are in for a fast and exciting ride. And it's great fun. Now, 10 days ago, uh, it was this my favorite Thursday, and uh, we bravely went into the surf with my board. This is the adult one. We've got some little kids one, and then they all fight, obviously, for the adult one. So this is a bodyboard, uh, sort of made up of uh, uh, foam, and uh, the idea is uh, that you use one of these to sort of uh, surf before uh, the wave. So um, the storm had come, the rain had come, and the waves were now pretty big. Even if you went uh, just sort of up to your waist, you could feel uh, the waves get higher and higher. And uh, so I went out with my board uh, and saw the, the little waves come and go, and you just ignored them. And then suddenly, and it's really quite, it's a sort of mixture of terror 
and excitement because the wave comes over and suddenly it eclipses everything. Like before you could see into the distance over the ocean, but as the wave comes, you can't see anything but the wave and suddenly your whole world is made up of this wave that because of the shallowness of the shore, it's getting bigger and bigger. And suddenly you're like, this is it, this is it. And you watch all the other borders and you can see the same look in their eyes. And uh, so this wave that eclipsed everything that became my whole world suddenly comes tumbling towards me. And um, I turn and grab the bodyboard and uh, uh, sort of push off. And my little tiny legs, because in the sea, everything's tiny and pathetic. And you paddle your tiny little legs and paddle your tiny little arms. And this great wave of tons and tons of water comes rolling faster and faster. And, uh, I, and I got off. And at the start, it was good. And um, if you've ever been near me uh, while I've been bodyboarding, all you'll hear are these like little titters and giggles. And it's like a small child playing in a sandpit as this great big wave rolls me on. And uh, uh, so I was having fun. This is exactly what I wanted. However, I then made a massive mistake. I don't know if you know this, but your pressure on the board dictates how you go. So if you lean a bit back, you can go a bit slower. If you lean to the left, you can go left and right is right. And if you lean forward, it makes you go faster. So I am incapable of, le of leaning left or right or going slower. All I want to do is go faster. So obviously I lean forward and forward. But the thing is, there is a point at which you are no longer going faster, but where the board actually goes under the waves rather than skimming on top. And so instead of being a beautiful catamaran being driven by the power of water, you are suddenly more like a submarine or a sinking Titanic. Your head goes down and your bum goes up. It's nice to have bum in the middle of a sermon, isn't it? You don't have bums enough. So suddenly I was thrown upside down in the wave and I somersaulted and now I don't know whether you've ever experienced this but when it's a really big wave and you are thrown upside down suddenly you don't know which way's up or down left or right the world is chaotic and you can't breathe now this was only in shallows, so um, I could, if I could have got my legs together, I could have stood up in the water. But for a moment, I panicked as the wave took me, bashed me, somersaulted me, and I couldn't breathe. Did you know what? I didn't like feeling like that. I didn't want to admit to my family, but I was like, "Yep, I've had enough of that today. Thank you very much." I wonder if you've ever felt like this during the last 18 months. You felt somersaulted, you felt suffocated, you felt that you didn't know which way was up. You felt that you are out of control. In the last 18 months, we've been unable to do all sorts of normal things. We've been unable to see our friends. We've been unable to go to school sometimes. We've been unable to go into the playgrounds. There are all sorts of things that we've been unable to do. 
Meanwhile, we've had to do all sorts of things that we've never had to do before. Suddenly, everywhere we go, we have to put that alcohol gel on our hands. We have to meet people through webcams. We have to wear a mask uh, every time that we are indoors. I wonder if anyone's here honest enough to admit that over the last 18 months, they've felt a bit anxious at some point, they've felt a bit stressed at some point, they've been worried and maybe even panicked at some point. Because I certainly have. There have been moments. Put your hands up if you felt like that. If you felt this 18 months has been a blessing from God and you've just enjoyed life to the full, then God bless you. But that has generally not been the experience. We felt like we're upside down. We felt out of control. We felt we can't breathe. When things are going our way, it is really easy to feel in control. But the thing is, sickness, accidents, poverty and death can suddenly turn us somersaults again. We think we're doing all right and then one of these things hit and we feel out of control again. God says... Those times you feel out of control aren't the exception to the rule. When you feel in control, that is an illusion. When you feel you're in charge of life, that is a myth that you have made up in your head. And God says we have very little control in life at all. To have peace of mind, we don't tell ourselves stories that we're in control, that we've got this. We tell ourselves and remind ourselves that God's in control and that we can have peace because of him, not because we're really good bodyboarders or that we are really skilled in life. Shall I tell you who the Bible says are far from God? It's adults, rich people and healthy people. These are the people that think they're doing really well in life. You know, these are the people that don't need to pray. They don't need to give away anything. They feel that they're in charge. But if you are a kid, if you are sick or if you are poor, you all know that the very next wave can make you somersault and careen out of control. And that's why the Bible repeatedly says these are the type of the people that are nearer to God because they realize that that... Uh, uh, that understanding of control is an illusion that a story we tell ourselves that is far from the truth. And the kids and the poor and the sick, they see the truth and they lean into Jesus. Can we have the next slide, please? So Rachel was really kind on a, after a sort of uh, shove in the ribs with my elbow to read out uh, the poem. Uh, and it was really good to hear the story of Moses told with rhyme. I love words and different ways of bringing them about. And so it's really good to hear that sort of poem of uh, Moses uh, in a basket. Can anyone tell me who was chasing Moses? Who forced his mother to put him in the Nile? Pharaoh was chasing Moses. And Pharaoh's minions were chasing Moses. What did they want to do to Moses? kill him. The Egyptians were chasing Moses to kill him so he couldn't cause trouble later. What river was Moses put into? Nile. Okay. 
is the Nile a nice little gentle stream uh, that you can sort of paddle across? No. no. Sam and I have seen the Nile. It is a raging inferno, uh, wider than Tilgate Lake. And you know what? If you're going to cross it, you want a bridge, really, um, and a boat uh, second best. And do you know what? The Nile is full of terrible things. There are Nile crocodiles, and uh, they love snacking on humans. Uh, there are hippos, which weigh many tons, and they're fearsome to meet. There are uh, lionfish that kill you and cobras that bite you. And hopefully, the kids are drawing some of the dangers that uh, little old baby Moses faced on the Nile. Or they're drawing something else which has no relation to the sermon or whatever. Um, they're being quite good, so we'll give them a pass on this one, whichever. Moses was utterly helpless. He was a baby in a basket on a Nile. I'm not sure there's a greater metaphor for your and our, my life, in life, than that. It is just one moment of vulnerability after the next. But the good thing that this story tells us is that God had a plan for Moses' life. Moses' heavenly father had Moses' back. And so God makes an actual queen rescue Moses out of the Nile. And Moses suddenly gets raised as royalty for the next 40 years. The truth is, if you pay attention, if you don't lie to yourself, you will realize that we are really helpless in life. There are all sorts of things that can happen that we have got no control of whatsoever. Just ask our orphans in Haiti right now. There's just been an earthquake just now at whatever, just over seven on the Richter scale, over 300 people have died. The government is in free fall. There are gangs roaming the streets. These guys' lives, through no fault of their own, they didn't elect to, be, uh, to grow up in Haiti. They didn't ask to be an orphan, but they are vulnerable and they are exposed to all sorts of forces that they've got no hope of surviving. So please don't pretend this morning that you are in control that somehow life is uh, something that you are managing with great aplomb. Just remember those orphans. And this story of Moses this morning, God uh, invites us not to pretend that we're in control, and the opposite of that is just a panic, isn't it? So we can pretend we're in control, or we can just panic and fail and go, oh, I don't know what to do, and then take antidepressants or something. But God invites us to say, I trust you. God invites us to say, I believe you've got this. That whatever's happening, I can believe that you are in charge. And wonderfully, after the story of Moses, we have the story of Jesus. And Jesus, as we sang about earlier, he lived and died so that we don't just trust that God might do something, we trust in something that God has done in history. We trust in a moment 2,000 years ago when Jesus lived and died and suddenly whatever life throws at us, 
we can be peaceful and assured inside because we know Jesus has done it all. We have no reason to worry, no reason to panic, no reason to be anxious. If we trust God, Jesus will be our saviour and the Holy Spirit will be our helper. Does that sound good? Yes. Does that sound good? Yes. It is good. You and I may be hunted from behind. We may be threatened by hippos and crocodiles and snakes. But God always has a plan for our lives. I want us to close with a couple of things. Can you put the last slide on? And I want you to shout out something that has made you fearful, worried or anxious in the last 18 months. Is anyone honest enough? I don't know. That's uh, something going on. Is, is, has anything happened that has made us anxious over the last 18 months that we can shout out? Or are we too shy that we may be showing our weaknesses? Work. Very good. Now, okay, if you weren't brave enough to shout out something, I want you to privately remember something that caused you anxiousness, that caused you worry, that caused you fear, that caused you to go uh, and behave uh, out of the ordinary because something was eating you up inside. And I want you to hold that thought in your mind while I read you this passage. When I get really afraid, I come to you in trust. Let me do that again. When I get really afraid... I come to you in trust. And I didn't write that. It's in the Bible, in Psalm 56, verse 3. And that should uh, be a medicine to our souls. It should be a dose of reality to our fears. So I'm going to finish now. Can everyone stand up? And we are going to read out uh, this verse together. Hopefully it's clear, but childlike at the same time. Here we go. When I get really afraid, I come to trust in trust. Psalm 56, verse 3. Let's circle back and do that again. One, two, three. When I get really afraid, I come to you in trust. Where is it? Psalm 56, verse 3. Please take your seats. Right. Has any kid done... Kids at the back, can you give me your attention? Excellent. Have any of you drawn anything uh, that you are proud enough to come and show us up the front? No, thank you, sir. Frankie, God bless you. You are so welcome. Come and show us what you've done. If you just choose one thing. The rest of you, if you've got something you'd like to show us, we'd really like to see it. Come on, Paisley, come and show us. Has no one drawn a good hippo or a crocodile or a... Wow, that's amazing. Can we give Paisley a round of applause?
is a definitely a flower. Very good. Excellent. Come, Frankie. You don't know what you get when you work with children, and uh, so I don't know what to expect. Wow, you've coloured in. So who's that? Jesus or Moses? Could, could it be Moses? Yes, say it's Moses. Okay, excellent. And, and who's that? Is it, is it Pharaoh's daughter? Yes, it is. Very good. And do you know what river this is? Have you heard of the Nile? Yes, excellent. Well, that's the River Nile. Hold it up and we all give them a round of applause. Yeah! Excellent. Please go and take a seat. Brilliant. No other kids have got anything interesting? It's a mixture of looking down at their toes and looking at me with fear. So uh, we'll, we'll let them off that one. Um, if you all stand, I'm going to close in prayer and we're done. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Exodus story. We thank you that it is this wonderful uh, story of how you delivered people out of death into life. Lord God, we thank you that you saved Moses to do amazing things for his people. And Lord God, I pray that we would remember this story of a baby in a basket. That we would remember that even when the waves crash and the crocodiles bite, when the Egyptians are baying for our blood, that uh, you are in control, that you are our peace, that when we are afraid, we can come to you in trust. And all God's people said? Amen. Amen, amen. Well, we're done.